welcome to another edition of Cut to the Chase. I'm your host, Francisco Moreno Jr. Uh, today, we'll be discussing about the Giants-Cowboys game on Thanksgiving, the Jets game against the Bears this weekend, and talk about Team USA advancing into the knockout stage of the World Cup. Talking about the Giants, starting off, they, they played well. The defense came out and were able to stop the Cowboys. They were able to get an interception, a really bad interception by Dak Prescott. And then from there, the Giants got the ball. They were able to move the ball down the field. Jan- Daniel Jones was productive because he was able to make short, quick passes, whether if it was uh, a throw to the running back or a comeback or a slant route. He was getting the ball out quick, which is what they need to do against the dominant defensive line of the Dallas Cowboys. And they resulted in getting a field goal. And as far as with Dallas, they got going with the run game. Ezekiel Elliott was running the ball, and the Cowboys had a – sorry, not the Cowboys. The Giants had a hard time at trying to tackle him, and he was able to maneuver his way. And he looked healthy, Ezekiel Elliott. He was running the ball well, making his cuts, breaking tackles, and, and getting yardage. And he looked very, very quick and agile. But the Giants, though, they did a, they, they were able to, to hold the Cowboys – at the half, the Cowboys, the Cowboys were losing 13 to seven. So, kudos to the Giants because you know Dallas. They kind of, after a while they abandoned the run, and it, it just scratched my head because Dak had already thrown an interception, and he was looking to throw to, I believe, it was C.D. Lamb, and it got added away and then intercepted by Julian Love. And from there, many people were thinking, oh boy, many people at home probably thinking, especially Giants fans, hey, we got a shot at this. And rightfully so, because they were able to, they were able to, to disrupt the passing game and then they were able to make Dallas one-dimensional, although you know, they had a hard time stopping Zeke. And that one touchdown that Ezekiel had had when, when Dallas got their first score, he was practically untouched. He really ran down the middle, you know, just bulldozing his way through. And the Giants didn't have an answer for him. But the fact that they were to keep it close was really important, especially against a high-octane offense like the Dallas Cowboys. But what really, but what really impressed me was how Daniel Jones was able to not make mistakes and, and keep his team in the game. And he threw a beautiful ball, perfectly thrown ball to Darius Slayton before the end of the, before the end of the half. It was beautifully thrown. It was a deep ball and he jumped up and there was great coverage too. And Darius Slayton came down with it. And that gave the Giants all the momentum. So, and then they end up scoring on a touchdown run by Saquon Barkley. And at half, Giants are up 13-7. And I'm sure, I'm sure Mike McCarthy probably really gave it to the Dallas Cowboys and said, hey, listen, this defense needs to shape up and do better. And the offense has to, has to improve because they know that they're better than that. But the reason why Dallas was so successful is because Dak was able to regroup, get himself get himself back in the game and, 
and flush the mistakes that he made. And he was targeting Michael Gallup and making really crisp, quick throws. And Michael Gallup was having a huge second half. At some point, at one point in the game, he had five catches for 95 yards. And it just seemed like every pass play was going right to him because Dak knew, hey, listen, they can't stop me, so let me go and continue to target him and, and feed him. And and Tony Pollard started having some good runs, and, and they were able to open up the offense. And then it just seemed that the tide was turning um, in the third quarter when Dak threw a – a ball a little away from C.D. Lamb, and C.D. Lamb, literally, the defender was draped on him, and he caught it one-handed, was able to drag his feet and bounce. Just such amazing athletic ability and concentration and awareness of staying and bounce. And <laughs> it was great because that put them in an opportunity to score, and they ended up scoring that drive. And then Dalton Schultz, the Cowboys tight end has has two touchdown passes. And from there, now there's another guy that they had to worry about, the, the depleted Giants defense. And they didn't have an answer. I believe in the second half, the Giants had, I believe, like 61 rushing yards or, or something along those lines. And the Cowboys had 144. So really, they... They made a difference, whether if it was on the ground or in the air. The Cowboys pretty much did what they wanted to do in that second half. The Giants just, the defense just couldn't couldn't keep it together. And hats off to them because the game, many thought probably wasn't going to be close. And they had a lot of backups, the Giants. But they believe in Brian Dayball. And they fight and claw. And this is a tough. Giants team that won't back down. It's different than a year ago. These guys have more experience, have more confidence. They have the right coaches in place. And despite having a tough schedule, you know, they they can still have a they can still possibly make the playoffs. But it's going to be a tough road. But the fact that the Giants were able to stay in the game and lose twenty eight to twenty, you have to be pleased, even though they lost. As a Giants fan, you have to be pleased with, with how they played. You know, they showed a lot of heart. But the problem is, you know, on that one drive, it was it was a second and long drive in the second half, and Daniel Jones in the fourth quarter takes a sack. You can't take a snap. You can't take a sack in that situation. The clock keeps on running. If you need to, you throw the ball away. He lost a lot of yardage because he ended up getting sacked on that play. I believe it was Micah Parsons. And and any time, you know, Micah Parsons coming around that edge, you gotta you gotta get a ball get that ball out quick. You know, so Micah Parsons ended up sacking Daniel Jones and that was his eleven sack of the season. But you know, it's four four minutes and thirty nine seconds left in the game. Giants are down by fifteen. So in that in that situation, Daniel Jones has to be more conscientious of game management and knowing, okay, I gotta throw this ball out of bounds at least that way. A, the clock stops running, and B, you don't lose as, as much yardage. You know, but he didn't, outside of Darius Slayton, they didn't have much much help. Saquon has 11 carries for 39 yards. Yeah, he has a touchdown. But their backup running back, Gary Brightwell, had five carries for 31 yards. 
You know, so he was productive with the short amount of time. But outside of Darius Slayton, who had three catches, sixty-three yards, there was only a there was only some other guys. There was only a few other guys that really contributed. Richie James, he had a catch. He had five catches, 40, 41 yards. Five catches, forty-one yards, and touchdown. And you had a tight end have one catch for twenty-three yards. You had another tight end, Lawrence Cager, have a catch for twenty yards, and Isaiah Hodgins had three catches, thirty-one yards. So <clears throat> the Giants need more production out of a bunch of other guys because this is a team that's not that doesn't have a boatload of talent. So you need production from a bunch of other guys. It has to be a whole group effort. And in order for them to be successful, you know, they really have to get other guys going and getting on the same page and having more production from Saquon Barkley, but not having to always lean on a Darius Slayton and Saquon Barkley. You need to have other guys that can come step up and contribute. Yeah, they have injuries, but guess what? The next man up. And there's no excuses for that, and the Giants aren't going to make excuses for that, and Brian Dayball is certainly not going to make excuses for that because he's a solid coach and he's professional, and he'll find a way to get that offense going, and Wink Martindale will get that defense going. And they have to they have to get ready for Washington because the commanders come in this weekend, and then they're home, the Washington commanders against the Giants, the the next game that they play. So they have back-to-back games that they play. And so I'm sorry. So the Giants don't play the Commanders back-to-back weeks. The Giants play the Commanders at home, and then they play home against the Eagles and then at Washington. But this Washington team, you know, is no joke. They've won three straight games. And this past weekend, Taylor Heineke, he, he did his job. I mean, he threw 14 passes for 23, 14 out of 23 passes, completion, 138 yards. He threw two touchdowns and a pick. But Brian Robinson, the, the running back who got shot earlier in the season, he had a good game. He had 18 carries for 105 yards. And Terry McLaurin, four catches, 48 yards. They spread the ball out to every guy. It's not just one guy all the time. So, and, and the defense, the defense is legit for the commanders. You have Montez Sweat. He had a sack this past weekend. They have Deron Payne out of the University of Alabama. Jonathan Allen's really, really good. Kendall Fuller's a really good player. He's, he had one interception last week. So the commanders, you have to be careful because Ron Rivera's an excellent coach. Tyler Heineke, he's not a scrub. He can he can he can play well, you know. He could he helped the team beat Tom Brady, you know, in the playoffs. So this team is more than capable of beating a New York Giants team. And the Giants can't take them lightly. You know that that defense is legit, and the Giants are going to have to be able to run the ball because. They can't rely on their wide receivers and tight ends to bail Daniel Jones out. So the Giants are going to have to find a way to run the ball effectively with Saquon Barkley and also get Barkley involved in the in the passing game as well because this is a tough schedule upcoming for the Giants. And this is a really good division. 
I mean, if you think about it, the Cowboys are now eight and three. The Eagles are in first, but they have ten wins and one loss. The Giants are seven and four, and the Commanders are seven and five. So whoever, with with how this game goes, you know, one of these guys, one of these teams are going to be in last place, and it's a very talented division and very competitive this year. Many didn't think that it was going to be the strong. So the Giants are going to have to come ready, and they're going to have to play like their lives depend on it because. This this game could make a break if the Giants make the playoffs or not. And that's a shame because nobody expected them to do so well this year. So now let's move on to the Jets. They played the Chicago Bears this week, who were a team that has struggled this year, three and eight, all but they do have some positives. Justin Fields is a player that will fit in their system and has has done well in his second year, uh, but he needs to have more weapons for him. But he was out with an injury. He had a dislocated shoulder, separated shoulder, so he wasn't able to go. And before the game started, it was really weird. I was watching the Jets pregame, and they said that Trevor Simeon was going to be the starter, and then they said that he injured his oblique during warm-ups and that he wasn't going to go, and that it was going to be Nathan Peterman. And then when the game started, it was actually Trevor Simeon who came out and played. But the Jets came out firing on all cylinders. Mike White threw the ball. Practically almost every single play was a pass. And it was very short, crisp passes. He was very, very quick with his decision. And it really got got the team going and the crowd was was right behind Mike White he ends up going six for seven in the first drive and hits Garrett Wilson in the back of the end zone and it was really looking good for the Jets early on but the fact of the matter was is when Chicago came out the Jets defense just couldn't tackle missed tackle after missed tackle and just a step behind Chicago and it just didn't look good. It just looked like a defense that just didn't show up. And they expected, oh, you know, they took, they took, I think they took their for granted because Justin Fields wasn't playing. So I think they kind of thought, okay, you know, we can just go out there and play. But no, they had to, they had to come and show up and they didn't, they missed a lot of tackles early on. It was frustrating to watch. You know, it just, it literally looked like a college team trying to tackle a professional football player. It was just, it just was pathetic. Just absolutely inexcusable. Inexcusable. I was ready to yell at my TV. It was unreal. So, but they were able to get it together and and start playing better defense, but they didn't start playing better until after, until later on in the game, until about the second half. But let me just say, Mike White was on fire. Then he throws another touchdown pass. He ended up having three touchdown passes before the end of the first half, and he had 198 yards thrown. So if you think of it, they kept on showing Zach Wilson on the sideline. You could tell he wasn't thrilled at all with what was going on. Obviously, you know, you have to be a team player, but you could tell by his body language that he was just not happy about his demotion. But Mike White was 
more effective than Zach Wilson was. Zach, he literally, if he would have thrown one more touchdown pass to Mike White, he would have tied Zach Wilson for the amount of touchdown pass that he's had this year. The offense was fluid. He was passing it to all different guys. He had, he had 10 different receivers that he threw the ball to, 10. So think of it. He's spreading the ball out. It's making it that much harder for the defense to stop the Jets because they have dynamic playmakers and are really fast. Garrett Wilson looks like he's going to be a beast. Excuse me. He looks like he's going to be a beast. He had five catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Elijah Moore got involved, which was great to see. And the one pass that Mike White threw, the defender was zeroing in on where Mike White was throwing the ball, and he jumped up, and it literally went right through the guy's hand. So it shows you the confidence that Mike White has in his ability and his teammate, and he zipped that ball right through the defender's hand. Elijah Moore caught it, ends up trying to shade off a defender, shades off a defender, and then gets in for a touchdown. It was unfortunate for Chicago because Eddie Jackson, their corner, he ended up uh, falling because he ended up suffering a, I believe it was a foot injury, and Elijah Moore ends up scoring that touchdown. And from there, you're just wondering, okay, how much is how much are the Jets going to win by? And it was just it was just awesome. At before halftime, the whole stadium you could hear on the TV, you could hear Mike White's name being chanted, and you could just tell that Mike White literally ignited that offense, ignited that fan base, and it's just that energy the crowd was feeding off of them, and the Jets, well, the Jets were feeding off of the crowd, you know, and. That's awesome to see. Granted, this was a depleted defense from the Chicago Bears, and they had traded Robert Quinn and also had traded Robert, along with Robert Quinn, they also traded Rokon Smith. So those were two playmakers on that Chicago Bears team that they traded during the trade deadline. So those are players that I'm sure the Bears would have had liked to play in this game, but just given the record and given the amount of money that those two are scheduled to make, it just didn't make sense for the Chicago Bears who's who's are who are in rebuild mode. So but I will say that it was frustrating to see that Chicago did score in the back of the end zone and it was actually great defense by by DJ Reed. He he had good positioning on Byron Pringle, but he just made one heck of a catch and Trevor Simeon just zoomed it right in there. So when the Cow when the Chicago Bears had taken the lead, it was definitely frustrating because the Jets have have talent and you know that Mike White was was feeling it and, and he was playing well and playing confident. And the thing was he just did great with his check in. You know, the difference between Zach Wilson and and Mike White is that Mike White, yes, he's been in the league longer. Mike White else Mike White has not played nearly as many games as Zach Wilson has. Mike White, that was his fourth career start. But like he was saying in his press conference, he doesn't get nervous. You know, if the pocket's collapsing, he moves up a little bit and he makes his he make he checks his he has his check down and he throws it to a running back. Let the let the guy make the play and then try to extend the play. So He's not doing too much. He's trying. He's simplifying his approach, and he's doing well on on reading the defense. And 
that's why this team is going to continue to roll out with Mike White because he had a heck of a game. The guy had three touchdown passes and had thrown for over. And he went 22 for 28, which is outstanding. So it was good to see also, too, Donovan Knight, who was his first year, he's a rookie, had 14 carries for 69 yards. He ran the ball well. Ty Johnson had a good game as well. He had a, he, he brushed off a couple of tackles and ended up finding the way in the end zone. And he had five carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown. So it was a great collective team effort. And the Jets had 466 yards, total, total yards. Zach Wilson hasn't done that at all this year. Matter of fact, when, when the Jets had over 200, 200 passing yards, Zach Wilson only did that once this year. They had over they had 308 passing yards. Rushing, they ran the ball while they rushed for 158 yards. You know, yards per play, they had seven and a half yards. And they had 22 first down. So think of it. And even they went seven for 12 on third down. That's, that's pretty darn good. And, you know, the defense played better as the game went on, which was important. You know, they did, they did get an interception. So this was a really good confidence booster for Mike White. And this was a good team win for the Jets, who their schedule doesn't get easier. You know, they play at Minnesota next week, which is going to be tough. Minnesota has plenty of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. They have Dalvin Cook, their running back. They have Justin Jefferson, who's arguably one of the best wide receivers in the league and definitely one of the top wide receivers in the league this year. And Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. All bit consistent, but inconsistent. But and they, and they have a good defense too. So the Jets, the Jets, right now they control their destiny. They're at Minnesota, then they're at Buffalo, then they're home against Detroit, and Detroit's playing better. Yeah, they lost to to Buffalo this past week, but Detroit's gotten a lot better. They have talent, and they have a good coach, and they have a strong defense. And they have some weapons on the offense side of the ball, Jamal Williams. So the Jets' road isn't easy, just like the Giants. It's not an easy road. After the Lions, they have at, they play home against Jacksonville. Then they're at Seattle, which is never an easy place to win. And they're at Miami to end the season. And Miami's on a roll, too. So the Jets and Giants both equally have a tough schedule. But right now, I think the Jets have a better chance at at hopefully making the playoffs, and I think the Giants do, just because of how strong that division is. Yes, the Jets play Miami and Buffalo, but the Jets also have a better defense than the Giants, and they also have a much better offense than the Giants, so I think that gives them a better chance at possibly making the playoffs. Everything has to go white, right, but, you know, the offensive offensive line is should be healthy soon. Dwayne, Dwayne Brown... Yeah, he, he played on Sunday, but uh, George Fant should be coming back from injury. They're hoping he comes back next week. You know, they have the pieces in place. So hopefully, too, Sheldon Rankins comes back because he was out. But it's a strong defense that the Jets have. And the thing, if I'm Robert Sala, you have to have Mike White play as your quarterback indefinitely because he's provided a spark plug for this team. The guys love Mike White. You could see in the post-game press, uh, press conference or press, post-game interview rather with Pam Oliver, 
all those guys were jumping on Mike White. They were elated with how he played, and he gained the trust of those guys in that locker room. You know, and Robert Sala wants to keep that locker room believing, so he's going to go with a hot hand in Mike White. But, you know, Mike White, with him, he's going to have to play a near-perfect game against Minnesota. He did have two passes that were a little risky. One pass should have been intercepted, and the other pass was just a little further thrown thrown at thrown away from the body of Corey Davis. But the Vikings have a lot of solid guys on defense. You have Harrison Smith, who had seven tackles last week. Zadarius Smith is a very solid player. Danielle Hunter. You have Patrick Peterson. They have a lot of good weapons on the defense side of the ball as well, too. So there's no... There's no way to go around it. So it'll be interesting to see how this Jets team plays, but I'll tell you what. You know, you have, yeah, Harrison Smith, you want to make sure that whoever's on, whoever he's starting, which is probably going to be, I would, I would either, I would probably put him actually on Garrett Wilson. I would have him cover Garrett Wilson because I think he's a better matchup than a Patrick Peterson. All bit you could, you could switch them or you could try to double team Garrett Wilson. But the fact of the matter is, it, it is, it should be a pretty good defensive battle between these two. Is Darius Smith a really solid player on on the D line for the? Minnesota Vikings and for the Jets, you know, Quinn and Williams is having a really solid year. He'll probably be a pro bowler. Quincy Williams has played well this year. John Franklin Myers has played really well this year for the Jets. But I think if you're the Jets, I think you can mix and match a little bit. Sometimes put DJ Reed on Justin Jefferson or have Gardner on DJ on, uh, on Justin Jefferson, excuse me, because those are your top two guys. Those guys are ball hawks, right? And they're your two most talented players on defense. And you want to shut down the, the top wide receiver on the other team. So the Jets have to find a way to keep Justin Jefferson in check. And I think if they do that and they, and they can stack up the run against Alvin Cook, I think the Jets have a chance. Certainly because they're talented and but they also have to realize they, they can't make mistakes. So I think this coaching staff has them in the right mindset. I think that they're believing in the coach. They believe in the system. I think now they just have to put it all together. And it should be a fun, exciting matchup this upcoming weekend in, in Minneapolis. Now, let's talk about the exciting part of today was that Team USA, excuse me, played Iran in the final game of the of the group B stage and <clears throat> heading into this matchup team USA needed to win it was either a win or go home they couldn't draw and they couldn't lose so USA put a lot of pressure early on on Iran they had a boatload of shots and Iran just seemed like they were trying to play for a tie to be quite honest with you USA had 12 shots to Iran four. They had 51 possessions, Team USA, 
and Iran committed had more fouls, so they were a little they were less disciplined than Team USA. But I'll tell you what, it was a terrific and incredible pass. Even early on, like the ten minute mark, even though it was a relatively easy save for the Iranian goalkeeper, Christian Pulisic had a nice header. Christian Pulisic had a nice header, and you could just tell that Team USA was coming out with a lot of energy, knowing that we have to win in order to advance. And obviously, they didn't want to, they didn't want to go, go home early because think of it, the last World Cup they weren't even in, so it was a, it was a long time since they've been in the World Cup, and so they wanted to be able to make a statement. Yeah, they had that statement game against England that they, that they outplayed England, although. It drew in a tie. It drew. It ended ended in a tie. Excuse me. Ended in a tie. So, you know, they they knew that, you know, if we put some pressure on Iran, that we're going to be able to come away with the win. And Team USA is a lot more talented. No disrespect, but they're they're much more talented, and they they know that they can beat a team like that. And I was surprised that they didn't score more than one goal. That they only beat them one nothing. You know, with a team like that, you want to put away early. You don't want to keep any team around. Even the one play where Tim Weah ended up headering the ball to the goalie, he probably should have had one more touch because then if he goes ahead and kicks it, he probably scores and, and makes it makes it a one nothing game. And that would have really put Iran on their heels earlier rather than later. And scoring early and putting pressure on another team definitely makes the team nervous and doesn't have them takes them out of their comfort zone, so to speak. And then finally in the 36th minute, team USA is able to score a goal from a nice, there was a nice cross and then Serginio Dest had headed it, had he headed it to Christian Pulisic who made a beautiful goal, kicked it, and went flying through and actually collided with the Iranian goalkeeper. And he was actually down for a little bit. I believe Christian Pulisic ended up having to get uh, taken out of the game. Actually, Pulisic was able to <clears throat> come back into the game. He uh, was on the. He was actually on the pitch for three minutes, and he was in a lot of pain, but. Then I think afterwards, I believe it was at halftime, he got taken out because he had a pelvic injury. But um, you gotta you gotta tip your cap to him because he toughed it out. He's the Team USA captain. He wanted to be there with his team, but he just he just couldn't. And he knew that it was best for the team that he ended up leaving the game. And it turns out later on that he was diagnosed with a pelvic contusion. So. It was smart in the sense of getting him out of the game, you know, in case that they win, which they did, make sure that he's healthy and ready to go for Saturday against the Netherlands. And that's a really solid team. So it's it's impressive. It's exciting that Team USA won in advance, but I'm sure as as the team in the and the country, we want to see them go take it a step further. And this has been a tournament that the World Cup that is full of surprises and upsets. So any team could beat anybody on any given day. 
and this Netherlands team too, you know, Cody Gakpo, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. He scored he scored a goal against Senegal. He scored he scored against the he scored against Ecuador and he scored against he scored against Qatar too. So you know, and Frankie de Young, this is another one's team that is a very solid club. And, you know, if you remember a couple of years ago, if you recall in 2010 in the South, in the World Cup in South Africa, Belgium, or sorry, not Belgium, uh, the Netherlands were runners up in 2010. So they have a really talented squad and this is a country that's really good at soccer. So the U.S. is probably, is, is the underdogs in this game and, and we'll see how it goes, but anything is possible and and hopefully Christian Pulisic is, is healthy and this USA team has a lot more offense a lot more offensive firepower in them because you're not gonna go ahead and 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 have they scored two goals the whole tournament. They scored two goals the whole knockout stage. You can't expect to play decent or average or just enough that you think can beat the Netherlands. No, this is a team that is a very proud country. They're an excellent football club, football team, and you know, you have to play great and you have to play mistake-free game in order to beat these guys. So we'll see how it goes, but it's an exciting time for the country and the team, and we'll see how it shapes out on Saturday. And now, my winners and losers of the week. First, the winners of the week. My winners of the week this week is none other than the South Carolina football team. They finished the regular season eight and four, but they end up beating the tenth ranked Clemson Tigers, which is just impressive. You know, they started out down fourteen nothing early in the game. They scored fourteen points in the second half, scored another fourteen points in the third quarter, and get a, a field goal in the fourth quarter and went thirty one thirty and Although their quarterback threw two picks, Spencer Rattler, who was with uh, the University of Oklahoma, who ended up being in the transfer transfer portal, had completion 25 out of 39, 360 yards and two touchdowns. And they had a big game from their wide receiver, Antoine Wells Jr. So he had nine catches for 131 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, hey, hats off to head coach Frank Beamer, you know, People thought, oh, you know, South Carolina, yeah, yeah, they're okay. But, I mean, you have to remember, too, they were, during this year at one point, they were the 20th ranked team in the country. And, you know, they end up having an impressive season. I mean, granted, yeah, they're 8-4, and but you look at it this way, they end up upsetting seven 
seventh ranked Tennessee, sixty three thirty eight, and then the following week they beat they beat Clemson. So two weeks in a row beating top twenty five teams. That's a hats off to Shane Shane Bieber, the head coach. Uh, sorry, Shane Beamer, the head coach. You know who who many have think that he's a young rising coach in in college football ranks, but you have to you have to be very excited for for the South Carolina team, and definitely this will help them with momentum going forward uh, come bowl season, whomever they play in whichever bowl that they go into. But hats off to Shane Bieber and the South Carolina football team. My loser of the week is none other than Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. over the weekend took a flight from Miami to Los Angeles. And allegedly he was choosing to put a seatbelt on and was in and out of consciousness and he ended up getting kicked off the airplane. So a really bad look for Odell Beckham who has been rehabbing from his ACL injury. And and he he's trying to latch on with the team and get a contract. And you know, there's rumors really the Giants and the Cowboys being involved, but this really has to be a turnoff. I mean, no way can the Giants give this guy another opportunity when he already embarrassed them and made them look bad, and had to they had to trade him to get rid of him because he was just such a headache. And the Cowboys, I think it's a mistake coming down with the playoff stretch. Yes, he's not going to be your number one guy, but you really want all the baggage that comes along with an Odell Beckham Jr. So we'll see how that shapes out in the Odell Beckham sweepstakes, but just a bad look for Odell. And um, one thing I want to point out that I did forget to mention about the Giants-Commanders uh, game this weekend, Chase Young's coming back, the young defensive end uh, who – Who's, who uh, is from the University of Ohio State, and he's had nine career sacks, and he's coming back. So that's definitely a boost for this Washington defense, and, and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, it's going to be an exciting weekend, as always, in, is in sports, but it's going to be exciting for New York Giants and the New York Jets. And, hey, listen, <laughs> who knows what happens with Team USA, but, hey, listen, let's just watch and see what happens, and hopefully – it's a good result for giant for those that are Giants fans, for those that are Jets fans, and hopefully Team USA shocks the world and beats another one. But hey, it's sports, baby, you gotta love it. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cut to the Chase, and make sure you come back and listen. Bye.